As you join our program this morning, we want to welcome you back. Thank you for your continued support week after week. It means so much to us that what we are sharing is giving you encouragement in your life. Today, as we continue our sermon series dealing with the uncomfortable gospel, we want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with us in there to the book of Romans, chapter 3. I believe the Lord has a great word of encouragement that will meet you right where you are. We're looking today at the difference between the uncomfortable gospel and the situational gospel and how it applies to your life with the issue of truth and sin. I believe today God wants to give you a sweet victory through this message. We hope it will bless your heart. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 3 as he begins to lay this out. Um, we're going to go through about 30 verses, so I'll tell you what we're going to do today. Let's just kind of walk through it and we'll read as we go through it this morning. But here's what the Bible says in the gospel, in, the book, in, the, in your Bible, in verse 20. In Romans chapter 3, and verse. let's start in verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut up and the whole world may be, become subject to his gospel. I want to share this with you right here, if you don't mind. Listen to the rendering of this text. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from not having an excuse and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can be made right with God by just simply doing the commandments. Now that really pulls that thing into a fresh perspective for us. Because when we look at that it says keeping the commandments will not make you right with God. Just keeping the commandments. Why would keeping the commandments not make you right with God? Well number one we know that man could not keep the commandments because when the first, very first fundamental principle of the Ten Commandments was given, five of the commandments dealt with God and five of the commandments dealt with man. And your relationship to God, the other five was your relationship with man. And so in that dynamic, when we begin to walk through those verses, it begins to kind of take on a new perspective. But here's the interesting thing, that even if we could keep the law that we were born sinners, therefore sin had to be redeemed. Sin had to be redeemed, and in that concept, sin had to be dealt with is a better way to put it. Now, we know under the Old Testament, the Levitical law, that it was a mess. I mean, religion was a mess. I mean, it was a little, literally a bloody mess. It was an endless cycle. You may remember not long ago, we looked at a sermon in the beginning of this series, or it was last week, actually, where they went to the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was they were celebrating. The whole purpose of that feast was to celebrate the presence of God. And in the process of celebrating, Celebrating the presence of God, Jesus stood up in their midst and they missed Jesus. They missed the very one that they were celebrating. I wonder how many times that we want to gather and assemble and we want to celebrate the presence of God, yet God shows up in our midst, not just at church, but on a daily basis, and we miss that he was right there. And so in this passage of scripture, it highlights that just keeping the law, even though man failed to do it. There was only one person who was able to keep the law, and it was Jesus. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I come to fulfill it. I come to do for you what you could not do. You see, the law had to be dealt with. The law, the, the standard was not lowered. Get this right here, folks. When all of a sudden, when, when man was unable to meet the standard, God did not lower the standard to where man could reach it. But what he did, and we'll see in a minute, is that what man could not do, God did through his son, Jesus Christ, 
by sending him forth and him becoming the propitiation for our sins. And so as we look at this, the standard was not lowered. It was still where it needed to be. But God sent someone to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. You see, the uncomfortable gospel reveals the standard of man. It reveals the standard. What is the standard? The standard was the law. I mean, it was, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. And just go all the way through the Ten Commandments. That's where the standard started. God did not lower the standard. We live in a day and time where we're constantly lowering the, sta lowering the standards, lowering the standards, lowering the standards. And I'm not just talking about in church. I'm talking about just about every form of our, of our government. We're beginning to lower the standards, lower the standards, lower the standards. We want everybody to be able to get in without trying, without, without stretching, without uh, growing, without maturing. We want everybody to be able to just come and get in. Amen? That's where we are. You can just start picking them apart, and I'm not going to do it. Just pick a subject, and that's where we are as a nation. And what begins to happen, if you're not careful, is it begins to generate hatred. It begins to generate hostility. It begins to generate strife between people who are trying and people who are not people who are stretching forward and people who are not now here's the interesting dynamic that we must understand that regardless of where we are in this world that none of us could meet the standard that God had for us and I tell you what the law did was it proved where the bar was it proved where the mark was and it says here is the mark and we know that man has not been able to hit the mark we read that and we understand it I mean I don't want you to shout this out or anything, but come on, guys. I mean, you know. I mean, just start reading off the ten. Just read off the top ten. I mean, come on. Those dudes are hard to keep even as a believer. If you don't believe me, get pulled over by a cop when you're speeding and try to see if you don't want to come up with some fictitious story to try to get out of it. I mean, it stretches you. I mean, it's hard. I mean, when you're in business and when you're out there working and you're out there trying, things pull at you, pull at you. The whole world is conforming to the image of the world instead of the image of God. And if you're not careful, I am telling you that it, it is hard. It is hard to walk out and obey what God's done for us, even with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Amen. So when we look at this, the uncomfortable gospel reveals the standard. That's why the gospel is uncomfortable, because it doesn't diminish the standard. It reveals it. It reveals what God's expectations are. What does it reveal? It reveals that man is totally depraved. I mean, the depravity of man is overwhelming. It is so overwhelming that the only thing that man can do is look up to God and he's the only thing that can translate in our life to bring about victory. We are, have total depravity. There is nothing good in us. There is no power within us. There is no ability within us. There is no talent within us that can make us right with God. The only thing that we can do is throw our hands in the air and say, Lord, I surrender all to you. And so what the standard is, it reveals that we're unable. It also reveals, it reveals our failure. Now here's why we like to move the mark. Because we, like we don't like to fail. We don't like to fail. We don't like to stretch forth. We don't like to have a failing grade. 
And so therefore, we don't like to know that we're failures, so we want to hide the fact that we're failures, and we want to become comfortable with the status quo, when the status quo is the thing that is the very enemy of God in your life that is trying to destroy you. You see, the situational gospel, here's the thing about, here's the thing about, as we're looking at this, you may remember, there's the uncomfortable gospel, which is a gospel in its entirety, and then on the other hand, there's the situational gospel. What is situational gospel? Let me just tee it back up for you real quickly it's like situational ethics that's a real popular thing today situational ethics my ethics depend upon my situation and my ethics depend upon our situation matter of fact just recently we 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 i mean you can hear political politicians you can hear you can hear uh you can hear people all around always molding their answer to the situation trying to change their speech change their gesturing change their body language change their dynamic to fit the crowd that they're speaking to and situational ethics says that how ethical i am depends upon how bad the situation is y'all picking up what i'm putting down you see young people when you when you are when you're struggling and you're trying to break free and you're trying to live right with god and you're trying to move forward uh, the situation you say well i you know i i i can live for god on sunday and i can live for god on but um, you know saturday and friday and this and that and you know god the situation's different you know lord when i'm around the gravity group when i'm around my college group when i'm around my christian family lord it's easy to live for you but lord the situation's different and you really don't want me to be uncomfortable in this world so lord i would just change my conviction to fit the situation that's called situational ethics and you see we have a thing called situational gospel you see we have a, a gospel that we change to fit our situational ethics because situational ethics is so popular we now have what we call a situational gospel and so therefore our gospel matches our ethics is what's happening in the world today and I am telling you today that God did not call us to have situational ethics God did not call us to live out a situational gospel God called us to be holy to be righteous to be right with him he called us to meet his expectation which is unmeetable in the flesh only by the power of the Holy Ghost of God living inside of us that we can fulfill the expectation of God and what God is calling us to do is to understand that the uncomfortable gospel sets the standard that is unattainable but the situational gospel you know what it does you know what it does you know what the situational gospel does the situational gospel says that your religion is based upon your beliefs your religion is based upon your beliefs. Your faith is based upon your beliefs. Have you ever, I, let me just lean into something for a minute. Let me meddle for a minute. Have you ever wondered how so many people can believe some of the things they believe and still be reading the same book you're reading? Am I the only person that wonders that? And then stand up and talk about how holy they are, how righteous they are, how Christian they are. And what I want you to understand about faith is this, that the situational gospel says your belief, your faith, your religion is based upon your beliefs. And your beliefs is normally based upon your feelings. We base our beliefs on how we feel. Well, I feel the pressure, so I'm going to conform my gospel to get me out of this situation. So the uncomfortable gospel reveals the hardness of our situation it sets the standard 
The second thing the uncomfortable gospel does is it reveals the inability of the law. That the law was not able to fix it. Look with me if you would at verse 20. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. The knowledge of sin. How do we know we missed the mark? Because the law says it. How do you know you're speeding? You ever got pulled over for a speeding ticket? And you said, I wouldn't go on that fast. I never saw the sign change. And you believed it in all your heart. You believed it. I mean, you believed that Popo was wrong. And so, man, you went back after he got your ticket, handed you your, your award. I mean, he handed you that great driving award. And you turned around and went back. And then there was a sign right there, bigger, bigger than you couldn't believe. I was like, oh, am I the only one here ever has done that? What told me I was wrong? The law. The law pointed out my infraction. And regardless of what I said, regardless of how I begged, regardless of how I manipulated, I want you to understand that the law pointed out that I was wrong. Listen, we live in a day and age now where people who are breaking the law are celebrated. We are lowering the expectation, not of God's law, but of man's law. Now, let me just lean in here for a moment. And whereas, isn't it amazing that people... That, that people Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, that people are wanting to lower the expectation. They're wanting to break the law and say that it's, whoo, Lord, help me. I mean, we're in a mess, aren't we? There's so many things flashing through my mind right now. I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about that boy that said he, he, that he went out and got drunk and, 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 and got a DWI and hit somebody and, and took a life, and he was blaming it because he was rich. Well, I was spoiled. Influence, yeah, that whole concept. You know, I was spoiled. It's my mom and dad's fault. I was spoiled. Then the other side of the spectrum says, I was poor. I was raised with nothing. I was lived in, I grew up in government housing and I've had a hard life and I've, I've never had anything. And so therefore I am who I am because of my lim limitation. Do you realize where we are? People are saying, because of what I don't have, I am who I am. And others are saying, because of all that I have, I am who I am. And I want you to know, between the highest degree and the lowest mark, I want you to understand that we are all guilty before God. None of us can make it. None of us can conform the situational gospel to fit our life good enough to get us out of a mess. That's why Jesus Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And God sent His only begotten Son into the world to pay the price that we might not have to live according to a situational gospel. That we might walk out the full uncomfortable gospel according to God's expectation and not man's you see what the gospel does the uncomfortable gospel reveals the inability that the law couldn't do it it was powerless it was filled to capacity but void of substance let me let me explain this for you if you've ever been on the daniel fast you understand the second point it was filled to the capacity but it lacked substance one of the reasons that i became no longer a fan of the Daniel fast in my personal life because I found that I was always eating and like negating the purpose of the fast I mean like because you if it came from the ground you know the drill about the Daniel fast and so man I find myself eating nuts all day and I mean well that you know and so it's like I'm eating all day but I'm never satisfied I'm full but I'm not satisfied 
I want you to understand something. That what the law could not do was bring satisfaction. The law could point out the infraction, but the law had no ability to fix the brokenness. It had no ability to heal it. It was just a law. It was just a law. It was just a law. It was just a mirror saying, here's where you missed the mark. So what God did for us was he sent his son Jesus to do for us what the law could not do. See, if you're trying to fill out a situational gospel, if you're trying to live out a situational gospel, you'll find yourself always full but lacking substance. Because you know and I know there's that hollow nagging in your heart that's longing for something more. Longing for something more. The situational gospel is powerless. The situational gospel is filled to capacity with It's full, but yet it's void of substance. It fails to be able to remedy the problem. It is unable to fix the problem, and it only brings guiltiness. Do you realize that's all that the law does? It says you're guilty. It offers no pathway for redemption. The law could not redeem. So we know the law was what the Jewish religion was built upon. And then you translate that to the backside of the cross. And now we're in the New Testament church. And I could spend a lot of time talking about this. How much church is nothing more than a lot of boxes you got to check. I mean, from what you wear to how you act to where you go to where it's located. And everyone fits the cultural dynamic in that lens where it's positioned. Every gospel fits the cultural dynamic of that people group. It fits the cultural dynamic of those people. And what God is looking for is somebody who's willing to live out the uncomfortable gospel, which the uncomfortable gospel goes to everyone. We're going to look at this in just a minute here as we walk through these passages of Scripture. But you see, the situational gospel allows us to cope with our guilt, to cope with our guilt instead of, try, trying to, instead of finding the true remedy. To cope with our guilt instead of finding the true remedy. Most of the medicine that we take, it's only a coping mechanism. It doesn't, a lot of it doesn't fix the problem. It just tends to the pain. It tends to the side effect from what's broken. I mean, have you ever been to the doctor and they keep giving you medicine and you're just like, Doc, I don't really need any more medicine. I just want you to fix what's broken. You see, it can only highlight the problem. It can only say you're broken. The body, the, God gave the body pain. And so therefore pain is highlighters that our body is broken. Pain is highlighters that something's wrong. Uh, depression is highlighters that something is wrong with our emotional being. Uh, all these things, when you just begin to walk through them, it is conviction is saying that something's wrong with our spiritual being. Uh, pain is something's wrong with our physical being. Uh, and so when we walk through this, it just, it just says here is the problem. The uncomfortable gospel also reveals the flaw of humanity. You see, it reveals the law and the need for it, but then it reveals that the law couldn't fix the problem. And then the third thing is it reveals the failure of man. It reveals our brokenness. It reveals the sin. The Bible says this in Romans 3 and 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you look at this and you begin to underline it and think about it, what it's saying here, For all have sinned. Look, go back with me to verse 22. That 
That is that God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, there is no distinction. Can you say that with me right there? There is no distinction. I mean, look at that. There is no distinction. So what does it mean that there is no distinction? It doesn't matter what cultural group you're part of. It doesn't matter what race you're part of. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what country you come from. There is no distinction. And then he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I realize that in our world today that we can really struggle with some simple definitions. Like what, I, I, well, it depends on what is really means. What, what is it? What does is mean? Does it mean this? Does it mean, but I mean, when you get to the word all, you really can't mess it up a whole lot. It pretty much means everybody. I mean, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room in the word all. As much as there is with the word is. So what does all mean? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The uncomfortable gospel holds up a mirror. And it says, you're the one. It says, I am the one. I am the one. It doesn't say the person next to me. It doesn't say to the right, to the left. It says, I am. For all. Yes, the person next to me has issues on both sides and in the front and in the back. But matter of fact, it says you are the one for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? It means every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. What it does to us is it highlights that the issue is sin. It's not race. It's sin. It's not culture. It's sin. It's not church. It's sin. It's not affluency. It's sin. It's not poverty. It's sin. It's not prosperity. And when we look at this, it all boils back to that. But in our fallen nature, in our situational gospel, we have the pointer that wants to go around and point out to this and point out to that and point out to this one and that one. But what I want you to understand is that what God is saying is it isn't to your right, it isn't, isn't to your left, it isn't to your right, it isn't in front of you, it isn't behind you. It is right within you where the problem lies. So therefore, the situational gospel when you think about that, the uncomfortable gospel says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The situational gospel, what does it do? It relishes in sin, so therefore it diminishes the truth of the true gospel. Now, now let me unpack that for you for just a second. The situational gospel loves sin so much that we're coming up with new words to identify our sinfulness and our holiness all in one. And can I tell you today that in God there is no sin. In Christ there is no sin. Now I don't care how you call it. I don't care what situation you put yourself in. I don't care how you conform the image of the gospel to your image. How you bend it. How you mold it. But I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it doesn't matter if it fits. It doesn't matter if you apply it. It doesn't matter what you do with it. God's standard is still this. It's not lowered. And what is his standard? That all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And so when we think about this, how then do we live? 
Well, we live for the remedy. What is the remedy? The uncomfortable gospel reveals the remedy and the remedy is faith. Look at what it says in verse 24, that they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him, Jesus, as the propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate, put on a public display, his righteousness, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed, and God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness, that at the present time, so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. You want me to summarize that for you? You want me to put that in the Mark version for you? Here's what it is. We're guilty. He's holy. Man's unable to meet the expectation of the law. So what God did for man was he came and he fulfilled the law through Jesus Christ. And not only did he fulfill the law, which had to be met, it had to be done. Now, you know what I'm talking about, guys. You're, you're, you're getting ready to take tests. You're getting ready to take finals. And you can't get out of that class unless you what? Meet the requirement. To earn the full potential. But we have situational education now. Where sometimes it just moves people along through the system without meeting the requirements. And at the end of it, there's really not a whole lot of substance. They may be full. They may have checks by their name. But they really don't have something to make them victorious in life in their educational world. I'm not meddling. I'm just telling you the truth. That's where it's at because that's what we've done with our spiritual life. We go through the motions and we say, I can check the boxes. And you may find you a preacher. You may find you somebody that will agree with you, that will believe in you, and they'll check off the boxes. They'll check off the boxes and the end of it. You may find yourself full but lacking. Did you know there was a whole story in the Bible about this? At the Feast of Belshazzar in the book of Daniel, when the handwriting came up on the wall, here's what it said. You have been weighed. And you've been found lacking. And you see what God is trying to tell us today. Is that he wanting to bring us to a place where we can move to the victory. The remedy is faith. God did this. He was, we were guilty. He was righteous. God did for us what we could not do. He allowed Jesus to be the propitiation. What, what, is, what in the world does that mean? Well that's just, a, that's just a fancy word. That's a fancy word for payment. And so what God did was he paid the price for our sins and died for us so we don't have to. Hey, guys, listen to this. Situational gospel says keep your sin because you like it. Live however you want to. The situational gospel. But the uncomfortable gospel says... I'm tired of you being broken. I'm tired of you being undone. I'm tired of you being depressed. I'm tired of you walking in despair. I'm tired of you having sleepless nights. I'm tired of you living in defeat. So what I want to do is I want to give my son Jesus to you. To take up residence in your life. So that you may have victory. Now what is it going to cost you? Nothing. Salvation was free but it wasn't cheap. Because it costs Jesus everything. And what he wants you to do is to surrender your life. There's some of you in here today. You've been living out the situational gospel. You know it. You know it. You've been conforming the gospel to your expectation. Instead of conforming to God's 
expectation. As we conclude this morning, it's our greatest desire, family of grace, to be able to help you achieve what God has destined you to be. Many times he has destined us to be in an uncomfortable place while we're living out the uncomfortable gospel. The interesting dynamic is, though, that when you take a stand and begin to live out the uncomfortable gospel, all of a sudden, things begin to grow more comfortable in the place of discomfort. At Family of Grace, if we can help you in this pathway, if we can help you walk through it, if there's a conversation that needs to take place, if there's things that need to uh, be explored in a deeper way in your life, it'd be our greatest desire to come along beside you and help make that happen. Once again, we want to say thank you for continuing to support our family, to support our television ministry. We also want to say thank you for going the extra mile and stopping us on the street and letting us know what this ministry means to you and also for corresponding with us and supporting this ministry. We look forward to what God has in the future.